You're listening to RTE Lyric Live. When we think of the music of Edward Elgar, more often than not, it's large-scale works that come to mind. We remember the pomp and circumstance marches, the cello concerto, the symphonies, the enigma variations, or the dream of Gerontius. But great as these are, there's much more to Elgar than these very public statements, including songs and other chamber music, and as we'll see, they shed a view into a more private side of Elgar's music-making. Edward Elgar was quite an unusual figure in the world of English music of his time. Being a Roman Catholic, he had no formal links to Anglican church music, he wasn't a military bandsman either, and his relatively humble upbringing had ruled out a university education. He never received a composition lesson in his life. Instead, he'd learned his trade from the ground up as a practical musician, much as his father had done before him. Born in 1857, Edward grew up just outside the cathedral city of Worcester in the rural English Midlands. His father, William, ran a music shop in the city high street, selling instruments and so on, as well as being a piano tuner, and in the weekends was organist and choir director in St George's, the Catholic church there. He also played the violin, and so when young Edward, precociously musical at age seven, asked what he could play, it was on that instrument that he was started. Playing the fiddle gave Elgar his entry into music, and by the age of nine, lessons were going so well that he was already playing alongside his father in the second violins of the local orchestra. For a while, like Sibelius, Elgar even contemplated a professional career as a violinist, and some of the earliest pieces he composed were studies for solo violin and piano designed to improve his own technique. We heard one of those at the start, the beginning of his romance, Opus 1, composed when he was 20. And here's another from around the same time, entitled An Idyll. Already you can hear his vivid feeling for melody.
violinist and Algar scholar Marat Bizengaliev, accompanied at the piano by Benjamin Frith with an idyll, the first of Elgar's three pieces, Opus 4, published in 1885, but composed several years earlier. By the time he was in his late teens, Elgar took over from his father as organist at St. George's and spent many Sunday afternoons with friends knocking about in the shed behind his father's shop. They were all wind players, Edward by this time having taught himself the bassoon, and so they formed their own quintet. Not having a French horn was a problem. Many pieces composed for wind ensemble include parts for horn, and so Edward would compose or arrange music for them specially, often during the sermon in morning mass, whilst he was sat waiting up in the organ loft. While perhaps not especially profound, these promenades and other little pieces certainly take us back to a time of social conviviality, of the sheer joy of making music together. Ensemble with an example of what Elgar used to refer to as his shed music, one of six promenades, that one called Madame Two Swords, perhaps imagining a trip up to London. Like his later Enigma variations, Elgar dedicated individual pieces to different members of the quintet, giving them quirky titles like the Evesham Andante, Hell and Tommy, or even Mrs. Winslow's Soothing Syrup, named after a remedy often advertised on the backs of sheet music. As well as pieces like this and other works for violin and piano, another genre that Elgar began working on early, and in this case continued through his career, was songwriting. In 1887, approaching 30, he was still living in Worcester, teaching music, getting up to London for concerts whenever he could, and about this time he met the woman he would later marry, the writer Alice Roberts, initially as a student of his. Shortly after meeting her, he penned a setting of the old French poem, Is she not passing fair, she whom I love so well? Sometimes biographers link this song to their presumably budding relationship, though the evidence is equivocal at best, but the song, with its nods to the traditional music hall ballad style, nevertheless has a charm all its own.
The song, Is She Not Passing Fair?, as sung by tenor Mark Wilde, with David Owen Norris accompanying on the restored 1844 Broadwood Square piano that Elgar himself used for many years. Talk of Elgar's marriage to Alice Roberts would be incomplete, of course, without mention of another chamber piece of his from around this time and the first work of Elgar's to achieve real popularity. This is the Love's Greeting, Salut d'Amour, for violin and piano, though soon rearranged in many other forms. Alice was, as Elgar would become, a true Germanophile, and so he initially entitled it Liebesgruß, when he gave it to her as an engagement present, though his German publisher soon persuaded him that a French title would make for better sales, and so it proved.
Published in 1888, Elgar's Salut d'Amour with violinist Tasman Little, accompanied by John Lenehan. The chamber music for which Elgar is most prized, however, all comes from a single year, 1918. Recovering from a bout of poor health and happy to escape the darkness of London in wartime, Edward and his family rented a house called Brinkwells near Fittleworth down in Sussex. It was a nice quiet spot. There were woods nearby, the weather was pleasant, and it was here that Elgar composed his piano quintet, a string quartet, and at last, after so many false starts over the years, his sonata for violin and piano. Soon after they'd moved there, his wife Alice recorded that Edward was writing wonderful new music, different from anything of his. The elusive delicate romance that became the violin sonata's slow middle movement seemed infused with wood magic as if there was something in the local air this group of chamber works along with his cello concerto of the following year proved indeed to be elgar's last major outpouring of new music and very special it is too playing us out with music from the second movement of the violin sonata that woodland romance we hear James Ennis violin accompanied by Andrew Armstrong. Thank you. 
You're listening to RTE Lyric Live 